This is Mike with the QuiverCast, brought to you by QuiverBuilder.com, where you buy, sell, surf. Today we talk with my friend Bill from Oceanside, who has been surfing for 40 years and helped coach Oceanside's middle school and high school surf teams. So here I'm here with Bill Hooper today, discussing uh, boards and what's going on here in Oceanside. Bill is a regular surfer at Oceanside. Would you consider yourself a regular or a local? In Oceanside. Well, we've talked, so I'm going to go with regular because you've explained to me that locals only live at the beach. So since I don't live literally at the beach, I live in Oceanside, I'm going to go with a regular. How's that? Where do you surf normally? I surf mostly harbor, like the Rivermouth, condos, pink houses area. You ever go over the fence or over the side of the harbor? If I want to torture myself, I'll go surf on that side. Right? Okay. With Foamy Nation. And then what about on the other side of the harbor? Going over to like yeah. so I DMJs? Surf, I surf on DMJs quite a bit. I have a few friends that are either active or retired military and uh, surf there a lot, you know, in the season between April, May-ish and October, November-ish. And it's uncrowded there, right? It's uncrowded, but it has its moments where you're, it, it looks just like everywhere else and you're kind of tripping out as to why it looks so weird but, or why so many people there. But for the most part, yeah, the crowd's less and the waves are better, especially so, on the south swell. Should we even put this on the podcast because you don't want to blow it up? You can, but you just can't get on. you got to convince a couple of Marines with big guns as to why they should let you on, not me. All so. Right. It's no secret. I wouldn't call DMJ a secret spot. No, it's not. A secret. <laughs> not anywhere in Southern California. No. When did you start surfing? Gosh, I started surfing. I think I was ten or eleven. And um, it's funny. I, I I really we used to go to the beach all the time when I was a kid, and um, I just played in the water. I was a little kid. I go fishing on the pier up at Seal Beach. You might have heard of Seal Beach. Right? I have. You mm-hmm. heard of Seal I've Beach? Been there a couple times. You've been there once or twice. And um, my. I forgot what it was, but my friend or someone, someone had a boogie board, and I'm like, man, I want a boogie board. So I hit up my mom to get me a boogie board. I remember it was a Mori boogie. It was a 136. They used to melt melt the numbers. Like I do. I remember, remember that. It was melted. 124. Yeah, there was the numbers. And then 136 was the lamest board ever. It was fat and wide, and it didn't have rocker. It actually like went the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a trip. But anyway, so she got me. And there's no rashes on that thing. Huh? Oh my gosh, it was cheese grade your chest. It was the worst. <laughs> so uh, I got that at the beginning of summer, and um, my sister started dating a guy who surfed. And so you know, being a little grom, I wanted to be cool like him. And so I just kind of didn't really even boogie board much. I went straight to surfing on my boogie board. Because you're light enough. I was teeny. I was 10. I was 10, 11 years old. And um, and then that was in the beginning of summer. My birthday is in August. And for my birthday in August, my mom bought me a, a surfboard for my oh. birthday. So, and what was your first wave you stood up on, on surfboard? Oh, gosh. Well, my first wave I stood up on was my boogie board. Okay. But on your surfboard, your new surfboard oh, you got for shoot. Christmas. Or your birthday, I'm sorry. I can't even remember. I'll tell you, it was a... Sylvie, Chinatown, maybe... It was a Small Faces, which was out of Newport, the Frog House, Mm -hmm. sold Small Faces, and it was a single fin. It was green. And um, I don't even know what size it was. I can't even tell you. But um, I don't know. I can't remember my first wave I stood up on. I really can't. Really? No, we can't. I can't. I, I remember that it got really hard. Like, I was really discouraged because I kept getting up and falling, getting up and falling, getting up and falling. And, uh. 
I wanted to, and so I decided, well, I'm going to go kneeboarding because it's easier. And I told my sister's boyfriend, and he, and he hassled me so hard that he, yeah, he shamed me. <laughs> but uh, you were taking the easy way out. Oh yeah, he was just like called me a get near this and you're that and you know no one does you know he just just roasted me i'm a little kid you know i'm like almost crying how he he's like 16 oh yeah but you know he was cool yeah he's totally cool 16 he, yeah and i was just a little kid and so i'm like well then yeah i'm not riding a knee and i'd see him at the beach and i remember there was a day i was surfing uh tower nine in in huntington beach is that a taco, taco reef. reef taco nice reef shirt. that's where that's where him and his friends hung out the older nice guys shirt, yeah and I remember, so I was surfing, it was summertime, and I, this is probably a year or two later, and I caught a wave, and I was, I went to take off, and he's on the shoulder, and I'm all, hey, 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 and he looks up and sees me, and doesn't go, and I just went down the line, and I remember I kicked back out, I kicked out and paddled back out, and he was just like, man, like, I taught you how to surf, and you're freaking calling me off a wave, so I'm like, oh, sorry, buddy, you know. <laughs> the <laughs> but, surf uh, world. Yeah, so it was kind of, you know, it's, uh. And now I got Groms calling me off of waves because, so. Do you have a good story? Like, what's your favorite story going to Mexico maybe or driving up north or just going oh, to Heights Pier and it was offshore? Like, do you have a good story to say? I'll, I'll like, tell you. You'll never forget the rest of your life. So I have a lot of those. What's um, your best? Give because, me your best. Be, well, because surfing, like for me, surfing's about hanging out with my friends. Okay. Like, Growing up, you know, I got pretty, I, you know, I wasn't going to go pro, but I got good enough to surf contests, and I was on the surf team and this and that. And um, I surfed contests and all that, And but at the end of the day, I didn't really surf to surf contests. I surfed just to hang out with my buddies. And I probably, I, I can't remember, but I probably got into contests because one of my friends was doing a contest. So I'm like, well, then I'll do it. And then we all started doing it. Um, but for me, surfing's always been about just hanging out with my buddies, like, even perfect waves, I'd rather surf it with my friend than by myself. Like, take the best wave in the world, park me there. It would wait. It's it just I would enjoy it to be with my buddies than just me. Um, so not watching, you don't want them watching on the beach. You scoring? No, I want, I want us all scoring. Take I want to hurt them on. I want to take turns. I want to wait. I want to let a couple go by. I want to. I want to be lined up on an epic wave, but you haven't caught one. I'm like, no, do you go? Like, no, because I'll you know so. For me, it's all about hanging out with my buddies. My, I mean, I've got, do you want a crazy story or do you want, like, a really cool story? Like a like, fun story. Like, whatever your story is. Okay, I'll give you so a, Give me your story. I'll give you this, the G-rated story. So. We do do PG here. Yeah, well, this is G. G, I like it. Yeah. So, um, gosh, probably four, probably, gosh, probably five, year, five, five or six years ago, we were in Halama. Every year we go up to Halama okay. camping for the week with, uh, uh, a couple friends of mine and um, we got up there and we usually stay like Sunday to Saturday so we're kind of there during the week like when the crowd's not bad and um, we always go surf down at cracks and tarantulas and we went down I remember the waves were it was fun it was like head high but it wasn't epic and that was when we got there and Tuesday by Tuesday we went down to cracks and it was like eight to ten foot faces and so gl glassy and just literal A-frames. And there's nobody in the water. Like, Halama's uncrowded, right. but zero people in the water. Me and my three friends who were camping with us and my son. So when you paddled out, 
did you know how big it was, or was it yeah. a reality check once you paddle out? Like, no, it wasn't that oh, big. Eight to ten foot faces. It was pretty big. Yeah, but it, if you've been to cracks, it breaks pretty close. It doesn't break way out there, so it's not like a cod break where you get out there and you're like, whoa, it's way bigger. Right. But um, but there was nobody there, and we're tripping. We're like, well, we weren't even tripping. We were like, this is killer. Like, it's sunny. We're camping. There's no one out. So we're like, we're charging in the water, right, because we... We want to get out there before the crowd comes because there's a they're crowd. They're coming. You know they're you know coming. You know in Halama. I mean, there's people who live up there that surf there every day. Regulars, as you call them. Yeah. So we're like, let's just, you know, we're, tri- you know, like, let's just surf. Let's just surf. So we surf. No one ever shows up. We're like, so we surf till sundown and we're like walking back to the campsite and we're just high-fiving and my friend's with me who just started to surf and I'm like, dude, like you just, as a beginner, got one of the most epic days of my life. I've been surfing since I was 10. You know, it was... 30 plus years of surf. I'm like, it's not, it's like when you take someone fishing for the first time and it's super good and they, oh, this is how it is every time. You're like, uh, it's not, it's not that good every time. So, uh, so the next day, same story. We go down, we walk down there and it's firing. And this day it's a little, it's probably like six to eight foot faces now. It's a little smaller, okay. but it's so good. Glassy. Same thing. We surf from like two to five, five thirty in the dark. No one in the water. We're tripping. We're like, whoa, like, what's going on? Like, yeah, yeah, well, you start questioning. It's kind of weird. On? It's kind of weird, but we're not going to, we're just like, whatever. We're not going to complain, right? Right. So come Thursday, same deal. Same deal. We go down. Day three, uh, epic waves, and no one's around. Yeah, and we're, tr- we're just like, I mean, there's not, we're like looking down the beach, and there's not one person on the beach. We're like, what is going on? But it's so good, right? Surf another insane session. So, we Friday was better, but there were some guys out in the water Friday, and then by Saturday morning it was crowded. We're like, dude, we're, we were leaving. We didn't even surf because we're like, we've been surfing epic. Surfed waves. out. Yeah, surfed out and no by ourselves. Yeah. We're like, you know, you got with your, but you catch thirty waves. Right. You know, forty waves, and you're fried. When you get in, fried. Just want to eat and take eat, a nap, take a shower and go to bed. Yeah, take a shower. So we get home, and in Halama at that time there was no Wi-Fi, nothing. Um, you just were there. You are gone. Um, so we come home, and I start looking into, I just, I don't even know what it was, but someone, one of the guys with me sends me a clipping, like a dude at the boathouse got hit by a white shark, like that weekend before we got there. And the boathouse is like, you can see boathouse from where we're surfing. It's, There's it's, an explanation. It's right there. No one's there. And we're like, oh, well, that's a trip. And then he looks, and another day, I think on the Monday, a dude down at Gaviotas got hit on a kayak. Gaviotas, right? With the, yeah, with right the, around the bend. Right, yeah, right there. That's not that's Gaviota, not Galita. Gaviota's on the on the south side. Right there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So guy Gavi's got flipped on his kayak from a white shark. We're like, whoa. So then we found out Thursday or Wednesday when we were there, mm. another dude at the boathouse got hit. They didn't get attacked. They just got bumped and rolled them on their kayaks. I guess the guys, I guess guys, because the boathouse is on Vandenberg Air Force Base. Okay. And those guys had just come down, I guess we're just fishing. They're like military guys, but that's where they launched their kayaks from. Okay. And um, so they were getting, so we're like, I guess we're going to, I don't know. I don't, we don't even know. But like, we came home and we were just like, we read that. We're like, well, I guess that explains, that explains like nobody was there. But in a way, we were like, I'm glad I didn't know because it was so yeah, good. Yeah. You would have, I would have been so haired, like. You looking around. White sharks. like Not paying attention to the waves. And just yeah, like, I know they're there, but, like, yeah. I don't know they're there. Right. When I, if I would have heard, like, oh, yeah, right there, you know, a mile and a half down the beach, 
right. white sharks are flipping kayakers, I'll be like, all right, I'm a little nervous. That but anyway, is. that was epic. And that was like, um, that was one of those trips that you're just like, you know, you remember for it because it was so good. Till the day you die, I don't remember. You couldn't like if you you know in your peachy when in high school you yeah. drew pictures of yeah. waves. It was it, that wave. It was it. It wasn't the eighty foot wave where you're a little ant. Yeah. But it was an <laughs> epic a phrase. Yeah. It was so good. So. I want to know, Bill, what's currently under your feet? Well, it depends on the day, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm super into retro twin fins right now. Okay. Like MR style. Twins. And that's only been the last six months, maybe. Well, when I was a Grom, I had one. That was my surf. That's what we surfed because I started surfing in 1980. 1980. Yeah, 1980. And the Same twin fin revolution was like exploding, and MR was the four-time world champion. So everybody rode twin fins. You rode a single wing swallowtail twin fin, like that was the board that everybody rode. Because and or a single fin. Was that your small face board? No, my small face was a single fin. Oh. Okay. I had a rock and fig. Oh, yeah. I had a rock and fig twin fin. <laughs> it was airbrushed like a mission, like brick wall with stucco. So, um... <laughs> so, so, currently, you're in your... So, anyway, I just... Twin yeah, because, because Lost, you know, a couple years ago, came, partnered with MR to make a bunch of MR retro twins. Those things And they're, they're based off the board that he won the 1980 World Championship on. So, I have two of those, and I love them. In um, Meager Waves the other day, I saw him catching some waves and hauling down the line. What was I riding that day? The twin fin. I was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, it floats. The thing's like a freaking boat. But I've got other boards. I've got Voodoo Child. I've got Short Rounds. I've got a couple of um, Sabotage. I've got some uh, random. So those are names. Give us a, like a, what's your overall regular shape? My regular is my, uh, is my daily thing? driver is the waves are good, is my uh, uh, voodoo child. Okay. Mason Ho model. Mason Ho six voodoo o, child. Six O voodoo child. And How just wide is that thing? 19 and a half, mm-hmm. 19 and three quarters. Like it's not narrow, but it's not on the wide. It's not one of those 20 inch wide. But So you're a mid-age guy riding a pretty... It, it kind of standard looks, shortboard. It looks like the, the the three. It looks like the thrusters that we rode in 1983 when they came out. Like all those, cha- all the ones that Tom Curran rode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was. A, it's just the. It's the. It's the. It's kind of funny because I like the retro twin and I like the board. It. It's kind of got the same. It's kind of the same you know style as we had in the 80s, which is kind of funny. It still works. So, in 40 years of surfing, can I say you've been here surfing for 40 years? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm 51, so I've been surfing. 41 years of surfing. I can do the we'll math. Call it 40, we'll call it 40. We'll call it when I was, yeah, we'll call it 41. We'll go with that. We'll go 41 to 40. All right, let's do it. What's your favorite board you ever had? I can tell you it is. Okay. It was a 511 Timpone oh, yeah. single bump rounded squash thruster. Jeff Timpone. Yeah, I know who that guy is. I and don't it, know him And personally. it was black. It was white board with black rails. Glass and fins, of course, because that's all you had back is then. Is that when he was shaving kind of like behind Golden West? Yep, in Huntington. This is in Huntington. Ranch. Yep, in yeah, Huntington. And I rode that thing until because it, it was my it was my magic board. Eighty six, eighty seven, probably eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty probably eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine. So were you getting boards in between that board, but you kept going back to it, or was it? No, that was a board that I. Until no. it got D-Land. No, I had other boards, too, but that was the one. No, at that time, I mean, I didn't have any money. Yeah. And you wrote, it was funny, Shapers shaped you the board that they would ride back then. Yeah. Like, that's well, they knew. 
But that's who a shaper was. Now a shaper will shape you what you want. Like right. they're a craftsman. Yes. And they make boards. A lot of guys that now don't even, some of them don't even really surf that good. Yeah. Some don't. But they know how to shape. Yeah. Back then, like, I mean, well, Tim Pone was a little different because he was older. I think his boards were more of the style of a craftsman, but like Howard Duck, like HDs, lipsticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down You wrote the board. Every board was the same, and they were the board that Howard wanted to ride. Now, Howard was a good, really good surfer, but he was a power surfer, and he was real strong. He was kind of, he's kind of like muscle hamster, like Tom Carroll build. And but I couldn't surf. Kind of looked like Bud Lamas, right? Yeah, he was, and he was just kind of. And <laughs> I, I was seen that guy. I was friends there. with them, but. Oh, um, were you? I couldn't ride his boards because they had no tail V. They were just, they were really hard to turn. But if you were road like, if you surf like him, you could do it really good. More like horizontal or vertical surfing? Vertical. vertical. Everything was vertical in the 80s, dude. You're trying to, yeah. Everything was vertical. Know. Everything was fast, vertical, spazzy. And then. Um, a lot of arms swinging. A lot of arms. Had a head snap. A lot of head snap. I used to just like A lot of facial, thing. a lot of facial like expressions. Like <laughs> you hit the lip, you're like, ah. <laughs> like a tweaker face. Um, but, uh, so anyway, that Timpone was just a freaking magic board and I broke it and I fixed it and I broke it again and finally, I, and that second time I threw it in the trash at the beach, I just was like, it's, don't done. you wish you would hold on to it and had oh, it yeah. in the backyard? And but it looks, it. It, dude, it looks like my booty child right over there. But it's still not the same board. It's got the beak nose, the booty child does, yeah. and Timpone always shaped his boards with Yeah, that noses. weird nose kind of thing. Yeah, he still shapes. He lives, I guess he lives in Maui. Yeah, something like I that. Think, something. And I think, I think he's like... He's big in the, surfing or something like that. I remember when he went. I didn't know Jeff. I I knew him through other people. He wasn't my personal friend, but he. Um, I remember I he, went, he wrote for him. That's why I know where okay. just things at. So you know they were. He was going to go do wind wind sail uh, windsurfing boards in Maui. He'd make more money. And then he got. Then I heard he got like started doing a lot of tow boards, like with the tow revolution. He was really into that. Oh yeah, and, uh, that's where I've seen his boards. So he he's you know you see his boards around, but he shapes not just a surfboard. He shapes like watercraft, like he's yeah. that kind of dude. But so he's got to be older in life too. He's older than me. I mean, I was he was when I was a kid, he was an adult. So he he I'd say he was probably at least fifteen years older than me. So he's, um, he's probably in his six, 65, 66. Yeah, good for him. I hope he's still doing well. I heard he still shapes. Well, well there you go. So, uh, so last question to wrap up this this interview. All right. What dream board would you have? That maybe a shaper that's passed away, or someone you just can't afford, or someone. What era would that be into? Yeah, um, something you're gonna put your feet on, not something on the wall. Well, I'll tell you what it would be. It'd be a Greg Knoll. Okay, there you go. And he's not dead. I don't think so. But I would want like, but not a Greg Knoll now. I want a Greg Knoll from when he shaped back when he was... Like when he's holding the picture up at Waimea? Yeah, like back when they were, you know, when they were the guys make inventing what we call this... Not inventing it, but, you know, keeping it progressing. Um, yeah, it would be a Greg Knoll board. And I don't care what it is, what size. I don't care. I would, I would surf it, just to say I've surfed it, and then I'd put it on the wall. There you go. Next would you get it restored or just leave it as is? Depends. How, how where it's been and if someone's garage taken care of or if it was worthy of being, the back it, of the shed yeah but if it was worthy of being restored and if it was like a board that you know so do you think boards being restored take away from from the board because you're no you're patching in foam possibly it depends on what glassing. you're doing with it if you're if you're trying to preserve history history or a moment in time of not history, but like a moment in the evolution of the surfboard. 
who cares what you do to it? You, I think if you're displaying it, you want to display it in a way that people can see it and can engage in what it was about. If it's hammered and dirty and covered in wax and thrashed, it just looks like an old piece of crap board that's been sure. sitting on the side of something. It might be the most, you know, iconic board ever, but if you're going to display it, you got to display it. If you want to ride it, like, like my Rusty in the house, like it has a whole new gloss coat on it. If I wanted to ride it, I wouldn't have put a whole other gloss coat on it because it's much are you, heavier. Are you disappointed that you never put your feet on that board? No. It's just a classic you had to have. That board's one of a kind. You want to tell the story of how you got that board? Yeah. So um, so I, was, I, I like to buy single fins just for fun. And uh, my friend emailed me that this guy down in San Diego had one on Craigslist, and I looked it up. I was at work in San Diego. I called the guy, met him, and he was just some random yellow single fin. That's all it was. had no labels. Has a La Jolla Surf and Sport label on it, so I pick it up and I check it out, and I'm like, it had some stress cracks on the bottom, but it was cool. It has a vintage rainbow fin, like a real one. It's right over there, actually. Um, yeah. So like, big yellow single fin, single bump, rounded pin, like old from the 70s, just old. You could tell it was thick and everything, but it was in pretty decent shape. So uh, I look on the stringer and I'm like trying to figure out who shaped it because it just has a La Jolla Surf and Sport. Label, label. And look at the stringer in, in pencil. It says R. Priestendorfer. Mm. And that's all it says. There's no date. There's no number. There's nothing. So it's not labeled? No label. 500 board? No. And I, so it must have been, I'm no assuming, on it? nothing. They, don't, they didn't do that back then, I don't think. I, I think it was like uh, pre-Canyon days. Yep. No, I don't know. Well, all I know is it wasn't recent because there was no R on it. There was no rusty. There's nothing. He was so, working his way up the There wasn't even Canyon surfboards. So, so, so I look at it, and I'm like, and the guy's like some hipster guy with like skinny jeans and a beard, you know? Yep. Doesn't surf. He's like, yeah, this is a board. It's been in my parents' garage forever, and they wanted me to get out, get rid of it. And I go, I don't know, dude. Like, I'll give you 100 bucks. And he goes, ah, uh, can I get more? And he goes, how about 160? I'm like, I'll give you 140. So he's like, all right, take it. So I grab it, and I'm like, dude, I can't <laughs> believe I just got this board, right? So I'm tripping. So uh, I... Uh, I have it for a while, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. And then um, finally, I, I dropped it off at Roper, and I just took it in there and told them I, you know, showed them there were some pressure dings and like just to kind of I wanted to get the stress fractures out. And I take it in there, and the guy's looking at the board, and he's like, kind of just go, oh, "What do you want?" And he starts taping off all this. He goes, "Whoa, wait a minute!" He looks, and he's like, he sees it, and he goes, "Dude, where'd you get this board?" So I tell him that story. He's like, oh, my gosh. So he goes, hold on. So he goes back and shows, like, Roper, who's in the back. He's like, show the board because they're tripping. They're like, you know, those yeah. guys see a lot of rad boards. Yeah. And it's funny because they had that camouflage Lopez gun. You seen one of those? Yeah, I've seen that board. And, uh, and I, because they were asking me about the board, like, you know, what are you going to do with it and stuff? And I'm like, he's trying to get it off you. I go, I'll trade you for that Lopez. <laughs> and he goes, nah. And I said, all right, well, <laughs> so I tried to score a Lopez board. But anyway. So I had it restored, and um, they and I, you know, they didn't, they didn't like. There's like a, one or two pressure dings in the deck. They didn't take. I didn't, told them not to take those out. I said just don't fill it, don't take anything out where you have to match color. I want. So they took it and just dialed it. It put a, and at the end reglossed it, polished it, and it looks freaking epic. That guy does great work. It it's looks. Re great. I mean, you've seen it. It's yeah. No, it's a great board. And uh, they, you know, because they were like it's fitting for the room. Well, they were stoked on it, so they took a lot of, like, I didn't even tell them to put a new gloss coat on the whole thing. I just told them I wanted the dings fixed and kind of clean it up. And they were the ones that, you know. So, so we covered all the questions I have tonight here at QuiverCast with the question of what's under your feet. 
And we're here with Bill Hooper, and we're going to end the interview right now. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. If you like this episode, give it a thumbs up and hit subscribe. And don't forget to visit QuiverBuilder.com where you'll find your next magic board. I'll see you in the lineup.